0: Like them and Louise, we've got our foot on the gas pedal and we're headed closer and closer to the death of our culture. As we reject objective truth and reality, we're careening close to the brink of insanity. We'll see that today in our stories, like with Kirk Cameron, who just recently wrote a kid's book and is staging a tour in different libraries across America. But some of those libraries that also just recently had Drag Queen Story Hour in them, find that Kirk Cameron is just a little bit too controversial. And then we'll look at Raphael Warnock, who just recently won his race in Georgia over Herschel Walker, and his statement that, you know, what would Jesus do? He would love abortion. And then finally, we'll look at the Biden official who took cross-dressing to the next level when he stole multiple suitcases from multiple airports. We'll show how men just aren't a good fit for womanhood. We'll talk about that and more today on IndieThinker. <music> Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking to refinance or purchase a new home, you need to go check these guys out. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to make a high-dollar purchase, I know for me, I want to make sure I do that with people I trust. I don't even take my car to a mechanic I've never vetted. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that your family's financial future is in the right hands by going to a mortgage lender that you can trust to tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The whole show today is dedicated to that very thing. So I think it's only fitting that we advertise for our friends over at Element Home Loans because not only will you get honest and upright service from people of integrity, but you'll also get it from people who care about the things that you care about. So... If you're in the market to get a brand new home and yeah, interest rates are high, but you want to beat them before they go even higher, or at least you understand that you need to secure your family's financial future now, not later, and you can always refinance down the road. If you realize those things, then you need to go to KevinBlairTeam.com today to see how they can help you get into a brand new home. So go to KevinBlairTeam.com and when you do so, let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Just recently, John MacArthur released a trailer for his new documentary, The Essential Church. And so he is one of the churches that is at the epicenter of the fight back against local governments to shut down churches. And so they highlighted this in a documentary and in the process posed the question, what truly is essential or what truly matters? So I wanted to show it for you here. So here's the trailer for that. (laughs) may be times when you will go to court, but the issue would be this, that wherever the Word of God or the work of God is at stake, I have the right to claim my legal privileges. If, for example, some ordinance came along and tried to close down Grace Community Church, would we say, oh, it's all right, we forgive you, we'll all go home and just forget the work of God? Not on your life. We'd be down there with every sort of legal thing you could imagine trying to prove that we had the right to exist. It's a matter of protecting the privileges that God has given us for the proclamation of his word. When did you come to the decision that you were okay with suing the government? How far back do you wanna go? Now, I really like John MacArthur, and I think that this documentary is gonna be something that you definitely want to see, so make sure that you mark your calendars. But more importantly, within the context of our show today, what's important about that trailer and that project is that it begs the question of what is truly essential what priorities are important in this life see we were faced with really answering that question as a result of covid when we learned that liquor stores were essential but churches were not and uh, many more things and so the government decided for us overnight what things were truly important and it became an opportunity for us to reflect on that and to realize what things really are important regardless of what we're told by our oligarchs, whether that be those who wish to shadow ban and only dispense certain information on social media or the bureaucrats that wish to try to shove their personal opinions down people's throat while not having actual factual basis for their for their claims. Whatever the case may be, we realize more and more in society That we can't really trust our institutions to do that. Now, I lament that because I do believe having robust and strong institutions is a foundation of any society. But as the fabric of our society slowly but surely begins to unravel, we're recognizing more and more that we have to think for ourselves. thus the name of the show. We need to think for ourselves about what truly matters. But postmodernism has totally fried our brains when it comes to understanding priorities, understanding what truth really is all about. And so we've gotten closer and closer to a subjective understanding about priorities and about what really matters in this life. And this is highlighted in a book by Derek Parfit. And the book is called On What Matters. Now, this is a huge tome of a book that ultimately does three things. It tells us that we can discern what matters based upon three essential philosophical ideas. The first one is deontology. Now, deontology is simply the idea that there are rules or principles Um, And in this book, those rules or principles are socially created or based upon a society. And that's also seen in the second thing, which is contractarianism. And contractarianism essentially believes that rules and principles are governed in a society by a social contract. Um, Now, this is something that I've talked about before on the show, that when we talk about Christian nationalism, merely what what that really means uh, in its legitimate definition, in the way not the way it's polluted by the left and the mainstream media, is that there is this belief that we must all agree upon a social contract to actually constitute a society, and that whether that happens. Um, Just kind of as a, a given or an assumed contract or a real contract like our Constitution or the Bill of Rights or whatever the contract may be, whether it's unspoken or spoken, those ideas create our society. And a society has to have a certain baseline set of principles that they agree upon. Now, I've argued before on the show that I see no reason why we should argue along the lines of secular humanism and not the lines of Christianity. Because after all, our society was built upon Christian truth. In fact, the Bible is quoted more than any other book. In our founding documents. So contractarianism is just this idea that there is a social contract that is established based upon agreed upon rules and principles. And then we govern based upon that contract. Um, and that's what creates a kind of sense of, of importance and truth and meaning uh, in, in a society. And then the third thing is this consequentialism that we understand what really matters based upon consequences so consequences deem whether a thing is right or wrong so these three principles deontology contractarianism and consequentialism are all great ideas worth your study and worth your time however the problem with all of them is that it creates the idea that reality and what truly matters is socially constructed, and that there isn't anything bigger, any virtue, any morality, any truths, any tenets that are bigger than just our society and what our society has derived. Now, the real problem with this probably is pretty easy to uncover. The argument against this kind of social constructionism is the idea that a society can mutually agree upon things that are actually objectively evil. Now I think about Nazi Germany or Stalinist Russia. Of course, these societies had a consistent idea that the things that they were doing were permissible and by and large, they were agreed upon by the people in their society. But we all know that it's absolutely evil. And one can't help but wonder in the present if we would still do what the UN did in 1948 and create a universal basic human rights document. Because they believed, based upon what they saw in World War II, that there, were such a, there was such a thing as universal good and universal evil. Now in our postmodern society, all we have is your story, my story, my, my truth, and your truth rather than the truth. So all of that to say this that if we are going to talk about what really matters, and if we're going to establish a set of priorities in life, we must do so based upon reality, based upon objective truth. And as long as we rebel against that, we will not truly be able to understand what really matters. So what does truly matter? We'll talk about that in our top stories today. In Christianity, Not Today, I try to provide a Christian perspective on things that are going on in the world, and of course, if you're going to do that, you have to start with Kirk Cameron, and that's where we start today, because the darling of Christianity is not faring so well as he goes on a book tour. He just recently created a new children's book, and he's hoping to reach families all over the United States in libraries, and Fox News just recently uh, did report on how he's faring in terms of trying to reach families with the ideas of faith, biblical wisdom, and, uh, and the importance of family. So here's what Fox News had to say about that, that tour. Fox News reported on Wednesday that as you grow, which celebrates family, faith, and biblical wisdom, won't be able to reach some scores of American children or their families in many U.S. cities. Cameron's publisher, Brave Books, told that rejections and non-responses from more than 50 public libraries have come through. Fox also noted that some libraries opting against featuring Cameron have played host to so-called drag queen story hours. Now, thank God that these libraries have come to the defense of children, and they are protecting kids against the predations of Kirk Cameron while they allow for Drag Green Story Hour in their libraries. And that's just the point I want to make at the outset here, is that we have this really flawed understanding of what is actually damaging to children. In the past, I've highlighted the book, I Am God's Dream by Matthew Paul Turner, how this homosexual um, man who left his wife and children wrote this kid's book and that the idea behind it, yes, serves as the source of many Disney movies, this idea that, that you should learn to accept who you are and know that who you are is exactly the way you should be. Sure, it is the premise of many, many Disney movies, but it's actually a very damaging narrative to kids. There is a sense in which you must come to appreciate who you are, your gifts, your talents, and your skills, but also with the knowledge that it's possible for you to be much more than you are. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said, we do not know what man is, but we do know he is not what he can be. See, that is the kind of message that we need for children, to aspire towards being something that they may not presently be. It's actually deeply damaging to suggest that God is up in heaven, consistently doting over his children and just dreaming about them all day long because there is nothing better than everything that they do. Well, of course we know that's not true. That there are some things that need to change, some behaviors and some attitudes, and there are some things about you that are absolutely not God's dream. And in fact, that pursuit and that knowledge brings purpose in your life to be something more than you presently are. So it's deeply damaging to suggest that you're fine the way you are, and you never need to change, no matter what that may be. And of course, Leftists don't believe that because they're deeply interested in pushing their ideas down the throats of children. And that's why Drag Queen Story Hour even exists. I want you to, real quickly on the screen, see the kind of businesses that support Drag Queen Story Hour. So I'll throw those up for you. And for those of you who are listening, uh, these businesses are places like PBS, HBO, Facebook, Google, Hulu, Microsoft, Yahoo, into it, Spotify, and surprise, surprise, Disney. Now, what I just showed you was from DragStoryHour.org, which is the organization that's behind bringing Drag Story Hour into libraries and the public school system all over America. And as I said before, some of those same libraries that had Drag Story Hour come to them are now saying Kurt Cameron is too far. We draw a line in the sand and we cannot have Kirk Cameron spreading his vile message of Christianity. So this is why it's important that we expose these kind of things. See, what a society values will become its destiny. And delusional men cosplaying and making a mockery of womanhood cannot be the message that we really want to expose children to. And our next story will show why we don't want to do that. Sam Britton, who is a Biden administration official, is a cosplayer himself he's a cross dresser and he is a dog fetishist so he and his boyfriends will dress up like dogs while they participate in sexual acts and just recently he was arrested for stealing multiple suitcases from different airports And according to the New York Post, it says Sam Britton, a Biden administration nuclear official, made headlines this week after they were arrested for allegedly stealing a woman's suitcase in the Minneapolis airport and then using it for a month before claiming it was taken by accident. But it isn't the first time the 35-year-old nuclear engineer has made the news. Britton, who uses they-them pronouns, became one of the federal government's first gender non-binary officials earlier this year when... I'm going to use the actual word here. He took on a role in the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. And this isn't the first time Sam Britton has stolen a woman's suitcase from an airport. The first one was done in Vegas, and the value of the luggage was placed around $1,000 to $5,000. But later, Sam Britton did the very same thing in Minneapolis and stole a suitcase that was valued around $2,500. And... It's important to note that Sam Britton is in the habit of stealing women's luggage for, for a, a very implicit acknowledgement here. While Sam Britton would never admit to it, and the drag queens that scared children all across America and are still continuing to do so in family supposedly family-friendly brunches and drag queen story hours, they'll never admit to it, but they're a poor excuse for a beautiful woman. Large, middle-aged, obese men shoving themselves in burlesque outfits and lingerie that women are supposed to wear just doesn't actually muster any image of of anything other than complete abject horror. But see, people like Sam Britton actually know this. Drag queens know that they're not women and they don't make beautiful women. They they know this, And, and they know that they can't actually do anything but cosplay womanhood, and that's why Sam Britton had to steal a woman's suitcase, to see what women actually wear. See, I think this is an implicit acknowledgement in stealing these suitcases. The man has a perfectly fine job and can go in to any store he wants to and buy what's on the mannequin. But unfortunately, women's fashion utterly escapes men, even when they look at pictures. There's something about a woman that understands what women's fashion is supposed to look like. And of course, if you look at fashion shows, it gives you no understanding of what an actual woman dresses like. And all of these drag queens and Sam Britton knows this. And so what he had to do to put the cosplay on the next level is to actually grab the clothes of a woman out in the wild so that he could actually pose as a woman so that he could actually look the part. See, in this, again, is an implicit acknowledgement that all of these drag queens are nothing more than actors. They're not even gender confused. Very few of them have gender dysphoria, All of them have a gaping hole in their heart and they're desperately looking for meaning and hoping to find it with the attention that they can get from terrified children and from the liberal and the leftist out there that really only wants to congratulate themselves by congratulating this drag queen for their supposed bravery. All of this points to the fact that fashion and beauty and womanhood all have an objective standard and an objective reality. Sam Britton can try to hijack that and cosplay it all he wants, but he'll never truly be able to do it. And speaking of cosplaying, our final story is, we'll look at Raphael Warnock, who is continuing as a liberation theologian and not a real reverend, to continuing to cosplay Christianity. Just recently he was on uh, Joy Reid and, um, and on her program on MSNBC after his win in Georgia, and he made some really interesting remarks about abortion, so here are those for you. But I've, I've been studying the Scriptures my whole life. I'm, I'm committed to the faith, and as a pastor, I have a profound reverence for life, and as a pastor and a person of faith... I have a deep respect for choice, and so if you care about life, we ought to find a way. That's a place where government could show up yeah. and address the obvious bias in our healthcare system. It, it's what Jesus would do. It, I think it's exactly what Jesus. Uh, would do. Now, the first thing I want to say about that clip is is not the abortion comments. We'll get to those in just a moment. But but the first thing I want to say is that like any dork can beat a football player that has never been in political office before, and the comments that that. Raphael Warnock just made prove it like you don't have to be smart you don't actually have to even be a good preacher, know the bible or or anything like that to to preach in some churches much less win elected office. What you have to do is you have to be willing to go up against a candidate who probably has no business running in the first place and can't really put together in a thoughtful case for why they should be elected. And that's exactly what happened with Herschel Walker. Now, of course, Herschel Walker is a great alternative to Raphael Warnock. I would vote for dirt before I'd vote for Raphael Warnock. Unfortunately, that's not true of the good people of Georgia, some of them anyway. But, but suffice to say, let, let's end the party. Raphael Warnock Barely beat an ex-football player that knows nothing about politics or really nothing about running for office. He just had enough money uh, to be able to run for office, and and that's all you need anymore in some in some states. Now the back more importantly to the abortion comments. Now obviously this is utterly ridiculous. That um, when he says faith, when he says Christianity, when he says the Bible, it leaves me questioning. What Bible is he talking about? And what Christianity, what Jesus is he talking about? Because none of those things make sense actually in terms of a biblical form of Christianity. Now, of course, that's not what Raphael Warnock is talking about because he is not a biblical Christian. He is a liberation theologian. And liberation theologians merely put a subjective lens upon all things Christian, and they try to read Christianity through a kind of woke social justice form of of Christianity. So whenever they can find something like Jesus being oppressed, it's because he's victimized and marginalized, and we must overcome our oppressors. But they forget the fact that Jesus overcame his oppressors by being God and dying on on the cross. Um, And they forget that the oppressors are not really people at the end of the day, as much as it is a much more deeply spiritual need that people have, and they're oppressed by their own actions and their own decisions. But of course, a liberation theologian could never suggest personal responsibility and personal repentance as a cure for some of the difficulties that we face in this life. All of this is because liberation theologians and others like them are more interested in subjective versions of reality than they are in objective versions of reality. See, there is no spider-verse and no alternate universe where the kind of Christianity that Warnock just explained actually exists because he's speaking entirely subjectively and placing a postmodern perspective on Christianity rather than a historical legitimate objective perspective on Christianity. And this brings me to kind of the whole point of the episode today. Is that as long as we have people who are not equipped and not qualified to actually help us discern truth and reality from a, through objective means we will continue to take on a pop culture reference for everything kim Cardassian will be the standard rather than plato because plato told us long ago that the people that we should value in society are not people who are popular, not actors and not athletes, but actually philosophers. See, Plato came up with the idea that there is a group of people called called the Guardians, a group of people who love philosophy, and that these people are the ones who will change the world. Now, let me be clear. When I say love philosophy, I don't mean people who love necessarily books or who love pontificating or who love just the high thinking that's found in elitist circles in the academy. What I actually mean is the original definition of philosophy, people who love wisdom, philo, sophi, love of wisdom, people who really care about thinking clearly and not deceiving other people. See, these are the people who need to be in charge of society. And Plato said this about the guardians. Neither cities, nor states, nor individuals will ever attain perfection until the small class of philosophers whom we termed useless but not corrupt are providentially compelled, whether they will or not, to take care of the state. And until a like necessity be laid on the state to obey them, or until kings, or if not kings, the sons of kings or princes, are divinely inspired with a true love of true philosophy. See, I think ultimately what Plato is is alluding to here is the idea that if we're going to understand what truly matters in society, if we're going to truly understand what is true, what is reality, we must do it upon things that have been well thought through. So in other words, I think the guardians would agree with this, those people who love philosophy. They would agree that what matters most, the priorities that we establish in life should be based upon time-tested wisdom, not just merely pop culture, not just merely what the latest rapper says today, but actually things that have been carried on throughout generations and through generations have been tested to be true. And then the second thing I think that legitimately, thoughtfully, we could we could add to that is, even though some of you may not be Christians or believe that there even is a God we could add to that divine revelation because if a God exists that desires to communicate to his people and wants to reveal what is right and what is true to his people out uh, outside of what we feel and what we think but he wants to speak to our hearts to help us understand what is what is true and right and good then, that is the voice that we should be listening to uh, uh, listening to above all else. So, in other words, guardians would do this. They would love philosophy in the form of time-tested wisdom and divine revelation. And they would base what is true and what is right around those tenets. In the meantime, society continues to look and long for comfort rather than truth. To feel good rather than truth. And C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if you look for truth, you may find comfort, but if you look for comfort, you will find neither, only soft soap and wishful thinking, and in the end, despair. And perhaps that's why the suicide rate is skyrocketing, people are finding it harder and harder to stay together in a functional marriage, and so many other things, because we have not yet found where we can truly derive objective sources of truth. But I know a book, and I know a God, Jesus, Bible, who can help you with that. Now, I'd love to know what you think, but I would also love to know how, if those things are not going to be where you source divine wisdom from, where you are going to draw your source of objective truth. But you can leave that down in the comments section below, because that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and most importantly, go with God.